This episode of the Drake Podcast Show was made proudly possible by our station sponsor, Worth Protecting. Visit worthprotecting.com.au to find all the latest articles on health, nutrition, relationships, and more. Our future is worth protecting. Enjoy the show. We are back after a month of fighting for this very just, worthy cause on the front line and moving to a new podcast provider. With it, a new studio. Things have been quite crazy here in Sydney, Australia, but it's good to be back doing what we love and letting other people share their stories exclusively on The Drake Podcast Show. Well, tonight I have Evelyn Ray from Cauldron Pool coming on the air with me to talk about the biblically catastrophic events this week, including an earthquake in Victoria, what other science believers should look out for if we sink the politically unstable climate we're in to the book of Revelation, ways to opt out of tyranny as a Christfield daughter, and a roadmap on how we, the church, can dismantle heading into a segregated and unloving society tomorrow. Evelyn, it is such a privilege to have you join me on the Drake Podcast Show for Season 4 today. What was the turning point for you to turn away from the godless agenda of man and choose freedom in Christ? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I feel very privileged to be on here. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into these heavy topics that you mentioned. I think that um, the only way to survive right now in this world is through and by the grace of God. Um, I'm still baffled at how people go day by day with everything going on without having him. Um, And, you know, it it is only by his goodness that I am able to function and uh, survive in this wicked world. I tell you that much. I hear you. How does one not judge their brother or sister if they've already handed away their freedoms? Yeah, this is a that's a good question. Um, time that I speak about, uh, you know, what people are doing and things like that. Uh, I, you know, some people have said to me before, you know, uh, you shouldn't be judgmental. Mm. You know, look at look at the log in your own eye, things like this. And I like to remind people that. Um, that uh, I'm not the one who's paid judgments Christ has before me. He's laid down his laws, simply speaking the truth and speaking with integrity uh, in terms of what the Bible says doesn't mean that you're judging. And um, I think at the moment, um, something that I'm trying to work on is being, I guess, um, consistent in where I stand, um, and where I stand is based on the Bible. So some people don't always understand that um, because, you know, I obviously, uh, you know, that's where my morality is formed. That's my ultimate authority. And, um, you know, when it comes to uh, people's decisions with everything going on right now, I'm very much uh, pro-choice in that. And so sometimes as hard as it is, um, when I see people around me doing things that maybe I wouldn't do or things that I fear could be potentially dangerous to somebody. Just for the viewers at home that might be like, hang on, so she's a pro-choice Christian. <laughs> There's no such thing as pro-choice Christians, is there, Dom? And I'm thinking the same thing. So can you clarify that a bit? Absolutely. Sorry. I should have been more specific. I am pro-choice when it comes to make a person uh 
individual uh, preferences when it comes to the COVID-related medical uh, choices. So uh, in terms of pro-choice, I am certainly not pro-choice when it comes to matters like abortion. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I, as you, yeah, as you said, um, and I actually got very heavily criticized for this, that if you are a pro-choice abortion Christian, you are pretty much a uh, square circle, which is something that is non-existent. I, I do saw not believe that. that you can be the two of those things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a nonsensical uh, equation that the Bible will not back up. And I love that you really – you go there, you put it all out on the line for your career and, you know, your faith is so integrally important to you more than your career as a writer at Cauldron Pool is, right? And you're willing to lose that to gain salvation. And I think it's just so important that the viewers know today intentionally without any, you know, hidden agenda, we're both Christians, but we might not agree eye to eye uh, on a lot of things in relation to the end times and where we may be at in that tribulation or if we're not in that tribulation. And I think, in relation to, you know, this week's events in Victoria, including the earthquake at Jericho, do you have any spiritual insight that you can put on, uh, you know, the Drake Podcast show today? Yeah, so um, lots of, uh, because you and I, I guess we are in Christian circles, we're both very publicly Christian, mm. um, you know, we, we attract Christians to our pages, to our social medias, so there's lots of discussions. and. Something that I have been really enjoying lately is the diversity of theology and the diversity of denomination mm. and, uh, you know, just people's level of understanding of the Bible. And I actually really appreciate that because it actually keeps me um, accountable. It gets me reading the Bible because I'm so sure of what I think and what I believe. When somebody offers me a difference of opinion, it forces me to go back to the Bible and to be either sure of what I'm saying or open to another person's uh, theological understanding. So I love it. But uh, when it comes to eschatology, when it comes to end times, um, I have recently converted. Uh, and you might be wondering what that means. But, um, <laughs> you know, when, when you become a Christian, uh, when when you accept Christ in your heart, uh, you know, you have this moment of conversion. And I feel like, the next best thing for me in my in my Christianity has been this particular conversion when it comes to eschatology and end times, and that is I have recently been looking into post-millennialism. Really? Um, that sort of spectrum. And I sat on the fence with this for a really long time because, you know, growing up, my parents were Baptist and you know, we love the Left Behind series. I love John MacArthur, you know, so I, mm. I've always loved his interpretation of the rapture and things like this. But, yeah, lately I am sold. I, it's a done deal that I am a post-millennialist now. Um, and so my interpretation on what is happening uh, with Christians um is, is very different, sorry, to, to Christians that I'm sort of speaking to. And, you know, I totally understand why some people um, can see the parallels with what is happening today to things in Revelation um, and how it would appear that there are a lot of things that are leading up to the Antichrist. There are a lot of things that are leading up to the rapture, to the coming of Christ. Um, but as, you know, as I just previously just mentioned, I have actually... Yeah, 
converted recently, so my understanding of it is quite different to, to that. Folks, if it isn't confusing enough for the denominations and the battles within them, you just heard it exclusively on the Drake Podcast Show today. Evelyn Ray has had a, I guess, a Christian has in a midlife crisis, but has had this midlife, <laughs> you know, point or a turning point of deciding to follow yet another branch of, uh, I guess, post-millennialism. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what made you do the leap, because as far as I knew, you were a cessationist, weren't you? I am. I am a cessationist. I, I, I fully am. So my view of post-millennialism is very much shaped by people like Jeff Durbin, R.C. Sproul, Doug Wilson, James White. They are all in my sort of corner of theology when it comes to end times. And it's interesting, um, there was a documentary that was released as very high quality about post-millennialism and Doug Wilson features in that. And I highly respect Doug Wilson. And when I listened to this, I was like, oh, wow, I really respect this man and his theology. I listen to mm. him and study him all the time. I'm thinking of, of looking into post-millennialism now because Doug Wilson has and James White and Jeff Durbin. But what sold me, and I'm not sure this is good, is my favorite modern theologian is R.C. Sproul. And as I was delving into this post-millennialism eschatology, uh, I discovered that R.C. Sproul had a conversion himself and he was a post-millennialist as well. And that's what I was like, right, done. So if Sproul says that that's what eschatology is, then I'm right there for it. Um, yeah, I've, so I've been studying it a fair bit lately because of everything going on and some things that have come to my mind with all of this is Luke 13, uh, you know, that particular chapter in the Bible where the Pharisees come to Jesus to test him and they have lots of conversations and they're basically asking him, you know, uh, what about evil men who do evil things? Is that because those people need to die? Mm. What about the tower collapsing? Do they die because they are worse than everyone else? And basically what Jesus said was a flat out no. And that the point of evil things is that unless you repent, you will perish also. The whole point of bad things happening, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's evil, tyrannical government, whatever it is, the whole point of all of that is that if you think that is bad, wait until you see what is coming. Everything bad that happens happens like a trumpet, like like a warning. A day of judgment is coming. And that's what I believe the point of all of these disasters are. And I think what we're seeing now is almost like a leveling. You know, mm. difficult times, disasters, and, and all these things, corruption that's happening in the world makes everything shake. It's like God is shaking down the world or, you know, I think maybe the Western nations so that the only things that remain is what is true and eternal. People losing faith in the government, people losing faith in health officials, people losing faith in the things that would normally give them stability in life, that give them a false sense of stability. You know, the whole Absolutely. point of all of this shaking is to knock out these false supports so that they would rest on the only support that is reliable. It's like a time of testing for the people. Are they going to persist in idolatry and in things that are separated from Christ, or are they going to repent? 
That's and, right. You know, the got, separation of yeah. the wheat and the tares, you know, is that, that analogy in the Bible that we all so classically know. But what that also alluded to in relation to this uh, this rising season of persecution for Christians, have you noticed that a lot more people who speak out about said topics about <coughs> the virus that I won't name for obvious reasons today and other things that this apartheid, and we, we had to call it it because right now that is the big, you know, the big ticket right now for global population control, you know, and let's start with the Christians. Let's start with the pregnant women first. You know, this this seems to be the not hidden agenda anymore, the very open agenda that we're seeing most world governments participate in. Now, obviously, you've got the exceptions and hallelujah for those. You've got people that are very repentant in Romania and other, I guess, Catholic Christian kind of spheres over there doing their part to Yes, be persecuted and be thrown in the lion's den like Daniel, but they're not backing down. They're not throwing in the towel. Why do we have so many people throwing in the towel at the last minute or I guess swapping teams when they're truly messing with something that may never be repairable in the body like this gene therapy? Yeah, I think that, you know, at the moment, the corporate church and the church is weak. And again, I'm not being judgmental, but, you know, like it says in the Bible that you render things to Caesar that belong to Caesar, Mm -hmm. but it never mentions in the Bible rendering things to Caesar that belong to God and things that belong to God is the church, is our bodies, is our temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. And thing is the church has basically, and I'm talking the corporate church and some churches you know, have basically said to Caesar, come in and take the pulpit and you tell us how to run what belongs to Christ. And I think that therein is where so many of these problems are stemming from, is the fact that we have become mediocre in our faith. We have forgotten our theological understandings of Romans 13 and of of the things that Peter has spoken about. And church leaders, have decided that the best thing for them to do is to sit on the fence. And I hate to say it, but Satan owns the fence. All you're going to do by sitting on the fence is getting splinters in your butt. Get off the fence. (laughs) Decide whether you're going to stand on the side of Christ and on what belongs to him, or are you going to stand on the side of man and things that belong to Satan? Because the time for the mediocre Christian is over. This is when we need strong leaders. This is when we need... uh, men and women who are God-fearing and who fear God more than they do the government. Come on. Right now, if churches, uh, you know, if the government said to churches, you guys can go back to church next week, you know what You know what they would do? They would go back to church next week, which only proves they are more scared of the government than they are of Christ. And that's terrifying. And that's exactly why we are where we are. Mm. We cannot continue to offend God. We cannot continue to mock him. We cannot continue to render what belongs to him to Caesar and have him sit by and do nothing. And that is why I fully believe that we are a nation under judgment. Some people say, and a lot of Christians are saying, that this isn't judgment. We're not under Christ's judgment. We're just in a fallen world. I'd like to say that's a load of hogwash. What about what Amos says? Amos says, disaster doesn't come to a city unless the Lord has done it. When bad things happen, it's because God is doing it. And you know what Calvin says? Calvin, John Calvin, the great theologian, says when God wants to judge a nation, 
he gives them wicked rulers. Oh, and yeah. that's exactly what we're seeing. Wicked rulers in our government, wicked rulers in our church who are failing us. And that's why we're a nation under judgment. And that's why all these bad things are happening. And the church needs to step up. And I'm not saying every Christian is falling into this trap, but too many of us are. Too many are. And it's very sad. And the fact that the majority still haven't been able to connect the dots when they're right in front of them really concerns the, 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 the discerner and the seer in me. Because, man, can you see and feel the atmosphere changing right now rapidly in our country? It is a dead, dry space that used to have God residing in most buildings on a Sunday a.m. and a Sunday p.m. But isn't it amazing, not amazing, but isn't it amazingly ironic that there are just so many people going and getting the jab out of the fear that they may not be able to return to normal and attend a congregation and hear a soppy sermon that makes them feel good. Like you said, the splinter on their butt, but the devil owns those splinters. The devil owns that separation. The devil owns the church closure mandates and the mask mandates with it. And yet so many Christians are saying to me and to you and to Dia and to Diego and so many other people doing a just worthy thing on the front line right now for the rest of them that choose to just fight other fights, they should also be following and doing with us. Because if we don't fight this thing now, we will never ever know what going to church without government restrictions and regulations actually feels like. And I'm telling you, I can't see us opening the door to just the vaccinated. I think that that is a very dangerous precedent to go down in 2021, especially for a so-called democracy like Australia. But when you're saying about the evil rulers, the evil health officials, the evil premiers, it's so true, isn't it? That God is allowing this pestilence, this sickness, this eruption of, you know, earthquakes and other crazy disasters to occur because the truth will prevail. All of this ugliness, all of this rottenness that at the end of the day is human man and human woman without the grace of God. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, at the moment, us Christians are at that particular point where we really have to stand up, where we really have to bear good fruit. You know, it says in the Bible, how are you going to know them? Mm. How do I know who's a Christian and who's not a Christian? And very simple, you will know them by their fruit. And you've got to ask, what are the fruits of the Spirit? What, what are the things that God is asking us to be? And are we really doing those things? What we also have to remember is God gave us the Ten Commandments to obey. But not only that, he's given us his inherited nature. He's given us his, his moral laws, his inherited nature from the beginning to the end of the Bible. And we have to obey all of those things in the Bible. I guarantee you, back when Jesus was walking the earth, they had far more diseases, far more sickness, far more contagious things and unhygienic ways of life than we do today. And not once in the Bible does it mention sickness preventing people from going to church. No, in fact. <laughs> It mentioned how there were certain Jewish people in different synagogues over in the Bible times that were turning people away. And Jesus was like, no, let them come. Open the doors to the lepers. Open the doors to these people. And I tell you what, they didn't have medicine back then like we did today. Come on. They didn't have all the resources back then that, that we do today. Yet for some reason, churches and church leaders think that it's okay because it's a pandemic. Well, they oh, had a leprosy pandemic. Love thy neighbor, except if they have leprosy and hate them and, and exactly. wish them dead. 
Like, honestly, that is the sentiment that people as high up in the, you know, the church framework you want to go are treating people with natural immunity. Oh my gosh, it's now a censored banned word and we can't go there. No, we have to go there. And that's a part of the reason why what you were saying earlier about why Australia is in such a mess that it is because there has not been true and deep repentance by the church fathers and by the elders and by the deacons and by the bishops, etc., etc. Religious leaders have failed God and God is judging them. We can see this because they lost their their golden calf. They lost the church ministry. They lost the TV channel that they had and a segment that was on every week on Foxtel and Australian Christian Channel and so on and so forth. Can you see the pattern here? Comfort and hedonism got us into this problem. Yes. And, you know, whilst, you know, we continue to look at how the church is failing, whilst we continue to look at how our leaders are failing, how our government is failing, how we're in this mess, there is good news, and I think it is important for us to touch on that. And this falls into what I was speaking about before, about how I have converted to being a post-millennialist. Mm-hmm. But basically, my interpretation of end times is that, you know, Christ is seated at the right hand of God until his enemies are, have been made into a footstool. And I believe that's what's happening now. I believe that Jesus is the king of this earth, and that he is sitting there making his enemies a footstool. And how is he doing that? By every single home that trusts in God, by mm. every time the gospel is being spread around this earth. And I actually believe that this, the world is becoming more Christianized. And you might think I'm crazy considering what you can see happening in the world. But think about this. It started off with 12 disciples. And look how many Christians are around the world today. China is completely under a Christian uh, ban, basically. Mm. Like, like their Communist Party of China control their pulpit, yet they have gone underground, they have made churches, and there are 60 million Christians in China today. That's more than the population of our entire country in Australia. We have at the moment, I think, over 33% of the entire world who identify as Christians as well. Um, and it started off with 12 men to spread the gospel. So I actually am very, people should look into post-millennialism. It actually gives us hope. And I think something that's really important for us to remember is that bad times always happen. Mm. Back in World War One, back in World War Two, people would have said, this is the end of the world. This is the end of the earth. The, the, the whole world's on fire. The whole world is in this raging war. You know, people would have thought that um, every bad thing that's happened, every natural disaster, every landslide, every volcano eruption, and, and people have died, that this is the end of the world. Bad things are always going to happen. I think we need to remember that, that right now uh, bad things are happening. That, But as I said before, I fully believe that this is God sounding his trumpet, that this is God using this to shake us away from the things that are not foundationally found in him. Um, I'm a huge believer that the world is going to become more Christianized. Stupidity can't sustain itself. We can't stay here forever. We are going to come out of this. Um, And, you know, Psalm 2, uh, verse 2 to 3, Nations rage and the peoples plot in vain, though the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed 
You know, it's so important to look back at that in a positive light. And I, I really uh, applaud you for, for touching on that when I, when I definitely did let it get away. And it's been something I've been thinking about a lot lately is that persecution in history has made the church explode in growth. Every single time persecution and hardship has occurred for people, it's actually made them draw closer to Jesus than they've ever imagined or wanted to before because all their creature comforts and stability is removed from underneath their feet, right? So we got to keep praying and thanking and rejoicing in times of peril and hardship because I believe this is going to be the precipice and the turning point for a revival to occur and not a great reset Evelyn, before you go for a different roadmap, one with a Christ lens attached to it, how do we avoid this desired effect of the elites to segregate and alienate anybody that decides the vaccine was just not for them, particularly in a church setting? It's just really important to remember that we answer to God and not to man. Hmm. So in everything that we do, we need to read the news. We need to read what the government is telling us. We need to weigh up what our church leaders are telling us in one hand, and we need to hold the Bible in our other hand. Then we can't go wrong. And I think we have to remember before they hated me, before they hated us, they hated him. Mm-hmm. Pick up your cross and follow me. And that's really important for us Christians to remember. And it's very important for us Christians to come to the realization and the conviction that Christ is far scarier than anything man could ever do to us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And we need to stop fearing man. We need to stop fearing this government. And we need to fear the wrath of our own Lord and Savior. And it is by His grace that we can have any goodness in our souls and in our hearts. And it is by His grace alone that we can be forgiven and that we can live and breathe every day in this life and we have to have perspective again and we have to remember that when we move forward because you know people have been deceived since the beginning of time that is satan's uh (laughs) trickery that you know he's been doing this for a very long time and he's very good at it but we need to stop uh, you know, and we need to reassess what we're doing and we need to trust in the promises of God and not the lies of Satan. Christ has never let us down. Satan, man and evil will always let us down. And that's something I think we all need to remember when we make decisions moving forward. Well, that brings our interview beautifully to a close. And boy, oh boy, did I gain some wisdom and insight on the current events around us. Thanks to my very special guest, Evelyn Ray. Thank you for your faithfulness and zeal for the cause. And I really hope to get you back on my show in the near future. Now, before we go, Evelyn, for anybody wanting to follow your writing contributions on Cauldron Pool and keep up to date on your socials, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you for having me on. I've loved being on here and I, I love having these discussions, so I really appreciate it. Um, if people want to follow me, they can go to cauldronpool.com. All my articles are published there. And you can follow me at Evelyn Ray on Twitter, on Instagram and Facebook and Gab. Yeah, I should come up, <laughs> hopefully, unless I'm shadow Ben, who knows, but you can find me on all those platforms and I'm usually quite active most days on those things. Thank you so much. I look forward to coming on again, if you'll have me. (laughs) Of course I will. 
post-millennialist. <laughs> <laughs> Good night.